Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. the influence of God's kingdom. If you have spent any length of time with us, you will know that this is our overall vision when it comes to the Alpha and Omega family, both locally and internationally. This is our vision. So if anybody asks you, what is the vision of your church or the ministry that you are part of? This is what you need to say. God has called us to extend and establish the influence of His kingdom in our city and beyond. And the question arises, well, how do we do that? We do that by calling the lost, equipping the saint, and commissioning the trained. As you and I are equipped in the knowledge of God, empowered with the Holy Spirit, and commissioned in our world, in our sphere of influence, to live the life of a disciple, the influence of God's kingdom is extended and established where God has placed us. And this is the way God has ordained for His kingdom to grow, to advance, and these influence to be multiplied among the nations. So let's read those verses once again. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now, as you well know, we have camped on these verses of Scripture for quite a while now. But the more I meditate and the more I study these words, I find that I receive more revelation and understanding from these words. The words of Jesus in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 24 and 25, when he said, The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will come back to you. In other words, we cannot exhaust the revelation that we receive from the Word of God. The more we dig in it, the more light we receive. The more we study the Word of God, the more virtue, the more knowledge, and our faith continues to grow. Amen? Now, these words in Isaiah, I believe, are key to our fruitfulness in the Lord, as they carry not only prophetic revelation but also wisdom from God 
in helping us reach our destination and fulfill our God-given purpose, which is, of course, to extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom in our spheres of influence. The words from Isaiah, not only do they instruct us as to what we are called to do, enlarge the place of our tent, but also how to accomplish this. Notice the next few words after the words enlarge the place of our tent. The word says, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Those two words have been with me deep down in my spirit, rolling over and over and over again in my heart and mind. The two words, let them, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. I have not been able to get away from them. As I started to meditate and ponder on those words, the Holy Spirit began to open up a whole new understanding of what he means by let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. The question we need to ask, who is them the scripture is referring to? When he says, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Who is the them the scripture is referring to? I believe that the them the word is speaking to here are the sons and the daughters of the kingdom of God. The sons and the daughters of the kingdom. The extension of God's kingdom and his influence among the nations is dependent upon the faith and the obedience of the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we obey the word of the Lord, as we step out in faith and obey the word, both the written word and the living word given to us by the Spirit, God's kingdom and his influence is enlarged and extended in our sphere of influence. The future of the kingdom is determined by the obedience of the sons of the kingdom. And let me make one more statement. The welfare of your city, the welfare of your nation, the welfare of your neighborhood is determined by the obedience of the sons of the kingdom who live in that area. God's word says, and I will prove it to you from the scriptures, turn with me in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. Proverbs says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That is why I say that the welfare of our cities, the welfare of our nations, is dependent upon the obedience and the faithfulness of the sons of the kingdom. And again in Proverbs 29 verse 2, notice what the word says. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. 
But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And we've had some experience of that here in South Africa. For almost 10 years, we were under the yoke of a man who's not righteous. And as a result of that, our economy is busted. We are in a terrible state. Instead of going forward, we have been going backwards. Why? Because the wicked bears rule, is in authority. Thank God things have changed. And we have renewed our hope because a new person, a new government is in place. And we pray for that government. As Marlisa prayed, that God would give him wisdom that he would do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because righteousness alone will exalt a nation. Amen? Now, Jesus said in one of his parables that the field is the world and the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. Whatever good, whatever is lovely in the world that you see is a reflection of God the Father as He lives His life through His sons and daughters. If you look around and whatever good you see, whatever is lovely, whatever is of worthy of praise report, it is a reflection of the goodness of God as He lives His life through His people. That's the only way that we can see the goodness of God or others can see the goodness of God. How will they see the goodness of God unless they see it in His church, in His people, in His sons and daughters? Amen? The sons of the kingdom, when I, when I speak of sons, I speak of daughters as well. They are commissioned by God. Every single one of you is commissioned by God to take the Lord's tangible presence into every sphere of life and through your obedience to the gospel spread the very fragrance of Christ in your world, in your sphere of influence. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, a powerful verse of Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Just like when you put um, some cologne or um, aftershave as men and it smells nice, and you walk into a place, people begin to smell, and they say, What is that aftershave or that cologne you use? It smells so nice. You know, we also have a smell in the Spirit. And if we are filled with the love of God, wherever we go, there is a fragrance that we spread in every place we walk into. It is the fragrance of Christ. I recall a number of years ago, I walked into um, the garage we serviced my car, And there was a lady at the desk, and she knows me, and I know her because I visited there regularly. I take our car there and my wife's car there to be serviced if there's anything wrong to fix it. One day I walked in, and this woman looked at me. And intently, 
just just was she kept looking at me and I was wondering why she looked at me like that and she said afterwards there is something different about you what is it i said what do you mean well she said you look so peaceful well i had an opportunity to witness to her i said what you are witnessing is the very presence of god and the anointing of the holy spirit oh she said That's why I say to you that when we fill with the presence of God, when we fill with the love of God, with the kindness of the Lord, and we walk into a place, people begin to pick it up. People begin to notice. There's something different about you. You are peaceful. You are at rest. You're not anxious. You're not troubled. You're not worried. Regardless of what goes on, you carry a presence that is attractive. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, "You guys, you who believe, you who are filled with his spirit, you we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved." Amen. And the fragrance of death to those who are lost. Again Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, powerful verses of scripture 14 and 15. Philippians 2:14 and 15 says, "Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation whom you shine as lights in the world." Wow. What an instruction from the Holy Spirit here. He commands us that as disciples of the Lord Jesus we are to do all things without complaining without arguing without disputing without murmuring why so that we may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation whom we shine as lights in the world Jesus said you are the light of the world you are the salt of the earth and once we are awakened to this revelation that we are the light we are the salt in Christ Jesus we begin to live like light our attitude changes our behavior changes amen and people notice they notice because they 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 sense that there is something different about us now god has chosen to do his work on earth and extend the influence of his kingdom through his sons and daughters and he will never change his mind on this issue god says i'm not a man that i should lie nor the son of man that i should repent that means that the influence of the kingdom of god and its extension on the earth is by and large as i have said dependent upon our faith and obedience to the gospel amen jesus said seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you that is not a suggestion that is a commandment from the lord we are to seek first god and the interests of his kingdom 
And as sons and daughters of the king, as we pursue those interests, the interests of God's kingdom, with an undivided heart, then the influence of the kingdom of God is extended and established among the nations. Notice that Isaiah says, in the verses that we've read, that it is the descendants of the woman who are to inherit the nations and inhabit the desolate places. Let's look at that verse again, the verse that we've just read in the beginning. Enlarge the place of your tent, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants, speaking to the church, your descendants will inherit the nations. Hey, we have an inheritance, and our inheritance are the nations of the world. Amen. We need to lift our vision higher than ever before. It's not just about me and mine, us four and no more, my little world. God has called you, anointed you and blessed you so that you may be a blessing to the nations. Praise God. And he says, And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now when the word of God talks about the desolate places, he's speaking about places that are void of the presence of God and the knowledge of God. Where there is no knowledge of God, where there is no presence of God, everything is dry, it's lifeless. There is darkness and ignorance and death. And all of these horrible things that we witness in our world. Why? Because that place is void of the presence of God. And we are to go into those places and carry His presence. Wherever God sends you. You get up in the morning and you meet people. You go to work. Listen. If the only thing you go to work for is a paycheck, you haven't haven't caught the vision yet. Sure, we need the paycheck, but that is not your purpose. Your purpose is to extend and establish God's influence where you are placed, where God placed you. You are the good seed that God has planted into that place of work, into that company, into that environment. And the Word of God says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone, but if it dies... It bears much fruit. When you die to your own self, your own interests, your own opinions, your own pursuits, and embrace the pursuit of the kingdom of God, that's when you become productive and fruitful wherever God planted you. Hallelujah. God is looking to you to influence and govern your sphere of influence. And that's what He's after. So those are the desolate places that we are to take the very tangible presence of God. The woman Isaiah speaks of is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the children of God and we are born of the Spirit of God through the womb of the church. And when our faith and commitment to the Lordship of Jesus begins to grow in us, 
We begin to govern and dominate our environment through the Word of God and the presence of God. And through us then, God's influence is stretched and established where God places us. Oh, this is, this is so powerful. When your faith begins to grow, when you mature in the knowledge of God, you begin to stretch and you begin to influence and you begin to govern and dominate your sphere of influence. That's what God the Father commissioned Adam and Eve to do. What were the commandments that the Lord gave to our forefathers in the garden? He said, Dominion, have dominion, rule, govern, multiply, and fill the earth. That commandment is still valid for the church today. Go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to obey and observe all that I have commanded you. Don't just bring them into salvation. Disciple them. You do that. You give them, you help them, you disciple them. If you brought them to the Lord, don't abandon them. I mean, how many people can a pastor take care of? Hello? Praise God. So, the Word of God tells us that we are not of this world, but we have been sent into the world as ambassadors of Christ and His kingdom. Jesus praying for his disciples, not just those that were with him at the time, but for those who would believe through the word of the first disciples. And he said, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are in the world, but they are not of the world. We are in this world, but we are not of it. We have come from another world. We have been born again by the Spirit of God. We are new creations in Christ, sent into the world as ambassadors of Christ. You know what an ambassador is. When he's sent into another nation, he represents the nation that sent him. He doesn't speak his words. He doesn't offer his opinions. All he says, this is the stand of my government. He represents his government. And his entire sustenance is supported by the government that sent him. If he does not represent adequately and accurately his government, what do they do to him? They recall him. Hello. We've had some recalls here in our country recently. The word recall has been on the news for days and days. Why? Because... The deployee was not doing what he was supposed to do. So we are ambassadors of Christ, meaning that we are to represent Christ and His kingdom to the part of the world we live in. Amen. Raise your hand if you really believe that. And think that way. I am an ambassador of Christ in my world. And God loved that part of the world that He gave you to it. So that you can represent Christ, His love, His goodness, His mercy, His kindness, His compassion, His tolerance to that part of the world that you have been planted into. 
Now Peter speaking to the church, he says, notice what he says. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. This is New Testament Christianity, folks. This is, this is not milk. This is the meat of the word. God is telling us, grow up, mature in your faith, know who you are, and represent me accurately to the world that I have placed you in. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation. Put your name there. I am part of the chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What, what is a priest? A priest is the one who represents the people to God. And I guarantee you that God has given you some people that you are to talk to God about them because you are part of that royal priesthood. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, who are the people you've given me to minister to and to represent before you, to pray for them, to be kind to them, to minister to them, to encourage them. In my world that I live in, I am that priest. Just as I have my congregation, you are my congregation, and I lift you before God, I pray for you, I minister the word. You also have a congregation. You also have people that God assigned you in your place of work, in your sphere of influence. There are people that God is looking to you to minister to them and talk to God about them. And I guarantee you, when you start praying for them and talk to God about them, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to your heart and give you wisdom and direction how to minister to them. He will give you the keys to the heart so that you may know how to say the right word at the right time, so that you may know how to show kindness and what kindness to show them when they are in need. He will make you aware and sensitive to the needs. I know this from experience many years ago. I was only a few weeks old in the Lord. And as I fellowshiped with my country fellow men, the Greek people of Masvingo, there were about maybe 70 people altogether in that small town. But we regularly have gatherings together. There were birthdays, there were celebrations. So we would get together, we would have a meal. As I fellowshiped with them and lived among them, God began to burden my heart for them. And the only way I could release this burden was in prayer. I would cry out to God fervently, Lord, Help me to reach these people with the gospel. Lord, they are ignorant about you. They don't know you. They don't know your word. They don't know the blessings of God. Help me so that I can communicate the knowledge of God to them. And as I began to pray, God began to give me wisdom how to reach them. To cut a long story short, the day came in September of 1983, on the 6th of September, it was a Tuesday evening, and it was the first gathering at my house. I had my own house church. 
It was filled. My lounge was filled with Greek people. I was not a pastor. I was not a preacher. I was just a disciple of the Lord. And I opened the New Testament and began to share with them the Word of God. Not only that, God would begin to speak to me in dreams about people that needed my help and encouragement. And I would pray for them, and some of them were healed miraculously. Why did God speak to me about them? Because I've engaged the Lord about the people I cared for. And let me ask you, who are you caring for? Whom has God placed into your life and is looking to you to minister to that person? Maybe it's one person, maybe it's two, maybe it's five. If you pray and seek the Lord, He will show you. Not only He will burden you with them, but also He will guide you as how to minister to them. Amen. He will give you a platform by which to talk to them. Befriend them, relate to them. Maybe he will ask you to invite them over to your house for a meal and befriend them. Maybe bake a cake and take it to them. Hello. Now, let me say this because this is the key. What I'm going to be sharing with you is a key to your fruitfulness as a disciple. Understanding who we really are and what we are called to do in this world will empower us to fulfill our God-given purpose. What do I mean? The revelation of our identity in Christ not only equips us, but empowers us to live in the light of our purpose and our calling. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Corinth, he says, Awake! To righteousness and do not sin. What does he mean by that? Awake to righteousness and do not sin. He says, if you really wake up to who you are in Christ, when you get to know your real identity in Christ Jesus, you're going to stop sinning. That's what he means. You you, you will stop sinning and start doing what you're supposed to be doing as a son and a daughter of the living God. He go, <laughs> scripture says that the Romans 8.19 For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. What does that mean? That means that the entire creation earnestly with great expectation are waiting for something. What are they waiting for? What is the creation waiting for? For the revelation of the sons of God. The whole, the entire world waits for you and I to come into maturity, to come into our own, so that we can begin to govern and influence our world. Amen? Now, this is, this is what I believe. It's my personal conviction and I know many of you will agree with me, if not all of you. The sons of the kingdom desperately need to come of age and come to an understanding of our true identity in Christ 
we need not only to know, but also to receive the deep revelation of who we are in Christ and walk in the light of that revelation. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Whoa, those are very powerful words. They carry tremendous power. The righteous are as bold as a lion. When you receive the revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you become bold in your attitude. <laughs> Lions, you know, are kings of the jungle. You know that. They are not afraid. They're not intimidated by anyone. They don't run from anyone. But they are feared and respected by all the animals of the jungle. Now, it's interesting to notice that the lion is not the biggest animal or the strongest animal in the jungle. You know that. But he thinks he is. And what is it that distinguishes the lion? It is his attitude. He has an attitude that is bold, is not afraid, is not intimidated, is not insecure. And that attitude gives him authority in the jungle. That is exactly what the revelation of our righteousness in Christ does for us. It empowers us with the boldness of Christ to be Christ to the world that we live in and do the works that He did and even greater works than these. And I believe next to the experience and the joy of being born again and those of us who have experienced the joy of the new birth, you know what I'm talking about. There is no greater revelation than the revelation of our identity in Christ. When this new identity takes form and shape in our thinking and our believing, our behavior will pattern itself accordingly. We have a desperate need to tear this image within us of unworthiness, this image of guilt and shame. When that, that image needs to be torn down, that image of failure, that image of insecurity. Oh, I'm just so useless. I, I am such a failure. You need to tear that image down from your inner man. Because this is what holds you back. Keep blaming yourself. Keep saying you're a failure. Keep saying you're, you're worthless. Never say, because that is not what God thinks of you. He thinks the world of you. And this is the struggle many believers face, is the dichotomy of the thinking and the believing in relation to their identity. And let me say this, wrong thinking will produce wrong believing, and wrong believing will produce wrong behavior. Someone said, if you really believe you're a dog, no one can stop you from barking like one. You've got to tear that image down. And you've got to believe from your heart what the Word of God says about you. The Word of God says you are part of the chosen generation. 
You are part of the royal priesthood. You are God's very own special people. The word of the Lord says you've been accepted in the beloved. You are loved by God. You are appreciated by Christ. And because you're a believer, all things are possible to you. Hello. That's who you really are. You've got to start believing and confessing what God says about you, who you are and what you can do. You don't need anybody else to make you feel good. You can feel good all by yourself with Christ. Amen. You don't need anyone to approve of you. God approves of you. God accepted you. God loved you. You don't have to join any club. You don't have to join any gang. You don't have to dress like anybody else. Just be yourself. God loves you as you are, and you are unique, created in His own image. That alone makes you happy. You need to get up every morning and repeat to yourself who you are. And remind your soul who you really are. You are a new creation in Christ. You're born of His Spirit. You have the life and the nature of God in your spirit. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Spirit which has been given to you. And you can do all things through Christ. Hallelujah. Now if you believe in your heart, that you are a failure, your ability to succeed will be minimized. The reason being is that identity determines behavior. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. And if you think you're a failure, you are a failure. But you're not. That thought is not of God. It's poison. Poor old me. Get rid of that attitude. Get, you see, wrong thinking imprisons us. One thought can imprison you for years. A new creation in Christ is one who is created by God in the image and in the likeness of the one who created him. And God the Father did not create failures. He didn't create sinners racists, liars, or murderers. Amen. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You are a new man, a new person, a new woman, a new species of being that never existed before. And my estimation is that many Many of us within the church of the Lord have not given the new birth the value or the importance we should have given it. Your new birth, your salvation in Christ is the greatest miracle of all time. There is no greater miracle in heaven or in earth that is greater than your new birth. When God recreated you, He brought into existence a new species of being that never existed before with supernatural gifts and supernatural power. You are a superman and a superwoman in Christ. The Word says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Glory to God. Now, because of this ignorance, 
And because of this lack of understanding, many continue to live today, believers, even filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, continue to live below the privileges and continue to behave like the old creatures they were. Because of a lack of understanding and revelation of our new identity in Christ. And I also believe that many ministers of the word are responsible for this lack of understanding. Because often our attitude in addressing and teaching and preaching is directed as though we are speaking to sinners rather than saints. You are the saint of God. Paul says, he writes to the saints. What is a saint? Is one who has been sanctified and set apart by God through Christ to live for God's purposes on this earth. The new birth must become a living reality, so much so that this reality begins to govern our way of thinking, our words and our behavior. Then we can be the ambassadors of Christ that He called us to be. And so what we need to do is to train our mind and our heart to believe and to think accordingly. And when we know the truth, Jesus said the truth will set us free. Amen? This is the truth. The truth of the matter is that we are new creations in Christ. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. We were born, the Bible says, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And when you know deep down in your knower that you are accepted in the Beloved, you are loved by God, you are valued and appreciated by Christ far more than you've ever imagined, when you know that you are empowered and anointed through the Holy Spirit, no circumstance can oppress you, no circumstance can defeat you or distract you from your purpose. You become unstoppable in your mission and fearless before your enemies. That is the truth. And these are the type of people, mature sons and daughters of God, who are extending and stretching the curtains of the habitation of the presence of God. They disciple nations and bring the life of God into desolate places of the earth. And I believe part of my mission, or the mission of any minister of the gospel, is to equip the people God has given him, to empower them through this knowledge, by communicating to them the revelation of their identity in Christ. Hey, this is who you are, not this. You're not a sinner anymore. You are the saint of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now go into the world and behave like the one you are. Amen. When we are fed with knowledge and understanding in regards to who we are in Christ and what we are called to do in this world, Our world is blessed and our King is represented to the part of the world that we live. Amen. Amen. You need to know that Christ is in you and believe that with all your heart. He speaks through you. He works through you. He thinks through you. 
He loves through you. He cares through you. As we make ourselves available to Him, He lives His life through us. And He touches the people around us. That is how His kingdom is extended and established. Amen? And that is why the words that I just read to you in the beginning, those two words, let them, let them stretch the curtains of your habitations. As your shepherd, I am to let you. I am to release you. I am to commission you to go and stretch the curtains of our dwellings in the Lord. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm commissioning you to go and stretch the influence of the kingdom of God in your sphere of influence. The first thing you've got to do is to start praying. Where is my sphere of influence? And start seeking the Lord's face. And then He's going to give you wisdom and understanding how to go about enlarging the place of your tent. And as you are enlarged and enlarge the place of our dwelling, I am enlarged. Our ministry is enlarged. Amen? If you can't find people that you can fellowship with in any church you're part of, why don't you win some and bring them to your house? We establish a house church in your house. How's that? How's that? Hallelujah! Amen. That's how churches are planted. That's how our disciples uh, are discipled and equipped. Amen. And listen, guys, this is our commission as a family. This is what God has commissioned us to do. This is who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do in this present world. And God says to us, remember this. Isaiah 41, God is speaking to you right now. In Isaiah 41 and verse 10, He says to you, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How's that? Don't come up with all sorts of excuses. I recall the day the Lord called me to minister to the Greek people in my town. I was just happy going to a local church, sitting there, just receiving ministry. And all of a sudden, as a result of my witness, two, three, four people came to the Lord. So I started praying. I said, Lord, they need a church to go to. Where am I going to take them? You know, they are Orthodox. They won't step into any other building than an Orthodox building that is filled with icons. And so I'm praying and asking God, how am I going to, where am I going to take them? And God says to me, you feed them. Lord, I can't. I'm not a pastor. How am I going to do it? He says, you give them to eat. And when I asked and said, the Lord, how do I do that? He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And I will help you. Glory to God, He's been helping me ever since. You can do it. You can do it. You are anointed. 
You are called by God. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Within that gift, there are many gifts. You can lead people to Christ and you can mentor them, disciple them, father them, mother them, love them, care for them like Christ would. Amen? This is, this is a problem in our churches today. Everybody sitting down and says, open it, feed me pastor, feed me pastor. And all we do is eat, eat, eat and grow fat. Get out there and begin to extend the influence of the kingdom in your world. And if you can't preach, get one of my CDs and give it to them, whoever, after you prayed for them. Amen. We need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and so burdened with our problems and our worries and our concerns. You know, the fastest way to get rid of your worries and your troubles and your concerns is get involved with other people and serve them and love them and minister to them. You'll forget all about your problems. Glory to God. Amen. Now we're going to pray. And we're going to close. I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you in a confession. And I want to hear your voice. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today. We thank you for your precious word that gives us an understanding of who we are in Christ. We are not just ordinary people. We are extraordinary people. We have been gifted with the Holy Spirit. We have been given your name and your word. And we will go out and be your ambassadors in our world. Through your word and through your presence, we will dominate our environment. We will govern and influence our domain in Jesus' name. And we will make a difference in our world. Because we are your righteousness. And we are believers. And all things are possible to us because we believe. Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.